Hello everybody and welcome to episode 57 of the Psychic Matters podcast. 57 is my lucky number, you know, so I'm delighted to have reached that amount of episodes and I do feel very, very lucky this month. I want to say a huge thank you to all my incredible patrons. Your patronage has been instrumental in helping me to continue to create high quality content and I've been particularly taken aback this month by a couple of people. You know who you are, you have been beyond kind with your support. I've written to both of those people privately and, um, you know, I've been so touched. When people really believe in you and in what you're doing, it just really touches my heart and makes all of our work feel so greatly valued. Thank you very, very much to my wonderful patrons. If you would like to join them, head to patreon.com slash psychic matters and you can take a look at some of the benefits and perks that come along with being a patron of the Psychic Matters podcast. I particularly want to give a massive shout out to a friend of mine, Stephen Trolland, CSNU, who has also gone above and beyond to help support the podcast. Some of you might remember Stephen from podcast episode 51, and that episode was called Championship Mediumship, where Stephen spoke about his absolute passion for skiing and snowboarding. And in our episode together, Stephen talked about the many difficulties he experienced following the snowboarding sport that he loved. And he spoke about what it felt like, despite great adversity, to go on and take six podiums and finally to win the British Championship title. Do go back and have a listen to that episode. It's an incredibly moving story. And Stephen talks about getting sponsorship from the people of his beloved village of Avimore, who created fundraising events for him to help him to partake in snowboarding competitions and go on to stand on those six podiums and win that British Championship title. Well, Stephen continues to be a real champion and he has paid forward that kindness shown to him in some incredible ways. And this month, I've been on the receiving end. Stephen got together with two very talented medium friends of his, Louise Minas and Frederick Hagland, and they all put on a very special evening of soul. It was a fundraising mediumship event. I know many of you out there bought a ticket to attend and I want to give you all huge thanks for doing that and for supporting the event. I'm over the moon to say that they raised £380 for the podcast, which is an incredible amount of money. So thank you so very much to Louise, Frederick and Stephen for your time and to each of you out there who came along for buying a ticket. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can write a written review. It's a brilliant way to show solidarity and written reviews really help the podcast to move up those podcast charts. So if you're on Apple, you can go to Apple Podcasts, find the Psychic Matters podcast, scroll down and leave a written review there. Or if you have a Samsung phone, you can go to a platform called Podcast chaser and you can look up the psychic matters podcast there and leave a review it's pretty straightforward the link is on my website under podcasts so you can pick it up there and leave a review that would just be an amazing way to support the podcast thank you so much meanwhile let's bring our attention back to this week's episode where we are exploring spiritualism with me in the studio today, I am joined by Jackie McLeish, OSNU and an accredited spiritualist medium. Jackie, welcome to Psychic Matters. Thank you very much, Anne. It's lovely to be invited. It's so brilliant to have you here on the show. I've heard all sorts of wonderful, good, positive, beautiful things about the work that you're doing out there in the world. Tell us a little bit about you, Jackie. What are you about? Um, really, in all honesty, I am about honesty. I'm about finding your truth, finding the real spirituality within you. Honesty and truth. Well, that's 
<laughs> what a wonderful place to start from. Tell us, you, you've got a wonderful Scottish accent there. So tell us a little bit about your background. I sound Scottish and a lot of people will say that to me, but I'm actually English. Yeah. And it's funny because um, if I'm in England, they'll say I sound Scottish. And when I'm in Scotland, they say I sound English. But um, I am English originally, um, live in Scotland and been here for 30 years um, now, just over, which it's lovely. And I class this as my home now. And where was you? Where were you originally from in England? I was born in Oldham and then brought up in Lowestoft near Great Yarmouth. Oh, yes. Lowestoft, of course. We had a little chat about that, didn't we? Because I spent some time in Pakefield, which was just beautiful. Yeah. 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 Lovely Wonderful. place. And whereabouts in Scotland are you? I'm in Glasgow. Fabulous. And what took you up to Scotland then, Jackie? What took you up north? I was lucky enough um, to meet my husband and it just, we knew straight away. And within a matter of three months, I was um, pregnant and living in Scotland. Oh, love. What a love story that is. Yeah. I, well, I think so. We're 30 years together now and it's, you know, it's, yeah, he's, he's, he's my best friend. Really. Is, he, is he spiritualist as well? Is he, does he go down that line or does he not? He believes in spiritualism. He believes in what I do. He doesn't necessarily attend churches like me. Yeah, because I've got a partner who uh, is incredibly supportive of of what I'm doing, but isn't interested. And so I don't really discuss it with him. And that's fine. That's just the way our relationship is. So it's different for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And so what, what led you down the path of mediumship in the first place, Jackie? How did that come into your life? For me, I've always had this weird, strange ability. And there was really, I couldn't put two and two together when I was growing up. And I had a very different kind of upbringing. Um, It was a single parent family. I'm one of five, the youngest and the only girl. And um, when I was young, I got ill uh, twice, really quite ill. I had meningitis. Um, When I was about six, yeah, was seriously ill. And something changed with me when I came out of hospital. And it was as if I had this sense of feeling things and seeing things um, and not really understanding it. I'm a child. How do you understand that or put two and two together as a child? Um, then I remember the it was the Queen's Silver Jubilee in the 70s and there was a street party and we were sat at the street party and I said to my friend wow can you see that look at that beautiful lady and my friend turned around and said I can't see anything and it was then I had the initial knowing that I saw something that somebody else couldn't see the next thing was really animals I kept seeing dogs and I would see these dogs following me or they would wait for me when I was being sent to bed at nighttime. The dogs would be sitting on the stairs and I would be absolutely terrified. These two big, great dogs. And again, I see it now as an adult, but as a child, I didn't understand that they were actually there to support me and protect me and look after me. But you don't realize that when you're younger. I was always told many things like, oh, you're so dramatic or you're so sensitive um, but I think partly with everything that was going on around me that I didn't really understand, but also family life and the changes that were happening there. Um, yeah, I think it just all accumulated to not really understanding me. And did you tell your mum about the thing, the people you were seeing or the dogs that were on the stairs? Were you able to share it with her? Um, it was actually my dad that brought me up. I'm so sorry. I'm assuming that's a terrible assumption, isn't it? Everybody does. Everybody assumes that. Um, My dad, uh, I would say to him, Dad, there's dogs on the stairs. I'm terrified. I can't go up the stairs. And he thought it was a tactic to stay up. Um, And he would go and check the stairs. He'd say, there's nothing there, Jacqueline. There's nothing there. And send me off to bed. But um, I never really stayed in my own bed. I bed hopped. Not because not because of any other reason, but I was always frightened and I was always lively. So I wasn't really a sleeper. Yeah. And so your brothers, you obviously got four, four brothers. Did you say you're one of five or one of four? You got one of five. 
Yes, you're the same as me. I've got four brothers too. But Mm -hmm. your four brothers, did they also see things like this or was it just you? Just me. But I think that what switched on, I think, was maybe the start of what I associate with it being switched on or, or was maybe the meningitis. And then when again, when I hit 12, I had meningitis again and it was really seriously again. Um, luckily enough, my dad knew the signs and got me uh, looked at really quickly, but I was still quite ill, but it changed after that. So what happened after that is I started really seeing things and feeling things and becoming really, really sensitive, which caused a lot of friction within me because I obviously was a teenager, hormonal, going through all these different changes, but also all these changes spiritually that I didn't understand. And you had no one to talk to about that, did you? Um, not really. I My friend's mum was really good. And I had some friends that were good with me. But how do you explain what you're seeing and what you're feeling? Especially when they don't understand you as a teenager, because they associate what you're going through as a problem with the family. Yeah. So you you kind of look at things in a different way. And it becomes... It becomes hard within you to deal with with everything that's happening. School was an issue. Um, I was great at middle school, loved it. I was so good at middle school, just found it amazing, loved doing drama, loved doing English, loved it. Got to high school and obviously my four brothers had preceded me. And uh, I remember the teacher reading out uh, the register on my first day at school and saying, Woolerton, are you related to the others that have been here before? And I said, yes. And that was it. I was automatically imagined to be the same as my brothers or the problems that came with them or any issues that had happened before me. So I really wasn't given a chance. And that's the honest truth. And I think as a child, when you're a teenager and somebody says, oh, you're just like them, you go, okay, then. I really wasn't great at school, Um, not because I I didn't know, because I was stupid or for any other reasons, then I kind of proved a point to them. I proved them right, really. Yeah, very difficult. I I do remember in my (laughs) art uh, room my art teacher saying to me are you the sister of of Paul or, or Nick and I said yes and he just rolled his eyes he said you're even sitting in the same chair <laughs> that was the end of that <laughs> yeah um very interesting though uh, so so where did you go with your spirituality at that point then ha- ha- were you still seeing things at that age in your late teens uh, mid-teens Yeah, I was um, definitely really sensitive to everybody around me, seeing things I didn't really understand, which frightened me. And I have to be honest, I was frightened within myself. But again, I just didn't understand what was happening. Um, I actually got expelled from school, um, high school, which um, I, I do talk about it. And the reason I talk about it is because it was probably a catalyst for me to start to understand I needed to change. I got a job um, painting and decorating, which I absolutely loved. Um, still was getting into trouble, really, in, in a few different areas. Then I had an accident with my hand. And I realized at that point when I'd had the accident that I had to change. Um, that's when I started getting the ear whistling and the vibrations in my head. And I knew that someone was trying to contact me, but I didn't understand who, but I could feel it. I could sense it. I did actually go along to Lowestoft Spiritualist Church once, but I just, because I was so young, I, I just didn't feel like I belonged there because everybody else was older. But so I was already something was calling within me to go to find out what was happening. Um, the catalyst for me, I think, was after moving to Glasgow and after having my daughter, my eldest daughter, I could see things. I could see people in the street. And I said to my neighbor, 
God, there's a man that walks up and down the street at night time with the dog. And I described him, described what he was wearing, the hat he had on, the way he looked. And um, my neighbor said to me, that sounds like Liz's dad around the corner. Um, but he's been dead for years. And it turned out it was her dad. Gosh, that's that's such an interesting journey just to that point. Why did they expel you from school? What had you done? Uh, you might not want to put this out there, but um, lots of stuff I shouldn't have been doing. I was up to really, I would say it was all fighting, really. Fighting, causing trouble, just mayhem, mayhem. Yeah, okay. But it's understandable when you, now looking back at your younger self you think well there was so much going on there where you weren't held or or understood but then again I've got a friend who is so sensible she's so beautifully spoken and she's got a terribly sensible job now but she talks about when she was at school at that age just throwing the locker no taking all the library books off the library bookshelves and throwing all the lockers around and she can't understand why she did it she got into massive trouble at the time it's just things that kids do I just think I was fighting against everybody. Just nobody really understood me. My dad tried so hard. He was a, he was a really good dad, but he had his own issues going on, being left with just the way things were. And yeah, so what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Well, you fight back in the way that you can at that age. You try to make sense of the world. So you did that. You went on. You got a painting and decorating job, which is probably quite unusual for a girl back in that in that at that time to do painting and decorating. And so, what did you do to your hand? I uh, had an accident with a window. I um, actually was arguing with my father, and I punched a window, and the glass came down and severed four tendons in my hand. Jackie, yeah. Well, obviously, you've, you've recovered from that. We've moved on. I, I actually retrained as a hairdresser. And that, that was really to prove to the doctors that um, I would survive. And I, because he said my hand would, would be not very good. Um, so I proved to them that, yeah, it'd be fine. So I, bit, I was a hairdresser. Gosh. And how long did you cut hair for? um yeah, on and off for years it's you can't stop once you're a hairdresser you can't yeah, you've always got somebody at cutting family or the dog even getting a haircut now and getting again but yeah you're still you're always a hairdresser once you've once you've got it yeah beautiful so um so you go through all these experiences but you've spoken uh here you've said at the age of six or seven you've got meningitis you had it again at 12 and then you talked about after childbirth and at these three things that happened this is when things sort of ratchet up another notch ratchet up another notch so do you do you think there's something in that something very I don't know something happens to the body and then I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that line of inquiry but I'm just wondering just it just felt for me I think these moments in my life when I probably needed something there and probably needed support that's when spirit came through because that's when it changed and that's when it evolved every time. Um, and even after having uh, my eldest daughter, things racked up then. And then again, when I had my second daughter and at, at the point of me saying, I need to go and see someone. And that's when I stepped foot in a spiritualist church in Glasgow. And what happened when you walked through that door? At first, I was so, it was a little tiny church and it's called the Salt Market in Glasgow. It's really salt of the earth people. It's people from all walks of life. And this little tiny wee box of a church had the big phoenix painted on the back wall. Um, and I walked in for the private reading and I sat down and the medium said, oh, I don't know why you're here. And I went, really? And she said, yeah, you can do what I do. And I went, okay. And then she said, you have to come along to our group on Thursday. She spoke to me about a few different things, said, confirmed things within my own head, what had been going on with me. And she said, come back on Thursday. So I went back out and um, I sp actually spoke to my mother-in-law and I said, she wants me to come back on Thursday, but I'm not coming by myself. Are you coming with me? So my mother-in-law came with me. Now, she had no interest in this at that point. So she came with me on the Thursday 
And that was it. It literally was like putting on a comfy pair of shoes. I felt at home. I felt opened, alive. I felt like spirit could just work through me. It was unbelievable. And I gave a message that night. The message was accepted. They said it was clear. Everything was precise with it. And then I stayed within the circle really for a couple of years until it changed hands. But I sat in the circle really for six weeks. And after that initial six weeks, now everybody here in this will listen and probably be horrified, um, terrified and thinking how on earth could this happen? After six weeks, I went to church on the Sunday and they didn't have a medium. So they approached me and they said, Jackie, would you go up? And I went, well, I'm not really dressed for it, but okay. Good for you. And that was it, really. Uh, That was my first service. After that, it just evolved really quickly. Um, People coming to see, then getting dates in other churches and centres Um, And literally just kind of rolled very quickly. Talk us through that a little bit. So you stood up there. You'd obviously you've been to the services. Had you seen people demonstrating before? Did you know what you were meant to do? I'd been going to the church when I'd started on the Thursday night in the in the circle. um, I'd started going on the Sundays so I could. So I was watching the medium and listening. It wasn't that I knew what I was doing. I was actually just really interested in listening to the mediums. But it just happened. And we'd noticed when I was sitting in the development group on the Thursday that this ability just, it was as if it was already there. And it literally was just somebody had to explain to me or just say, it's okay. Just let it it out, let it work, see what comes. Don't be frightened of it. Um, And I was very fast then. I used to talk so quick. I didn't really understand anything that was coming through. I couldn't take anything in. Um, And I was probably like that for about 10 years. But it's interesting, isn't it? When someone gives you permission to be who you are. Yeah. Then, Because we're not given permission. We're not given permission to say that this is a true thing, that this is what happens, and this is what I see, and, and this is how it works. People just... We don't get permission because nobody believes you for most of your life. And it's and when you're given permission and you're held and you're encouraged, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah, totally. Totally different. And it just felt good, comfortable. The people were like, a lot of them had the same things that were going on. They understood the animals that I would see when I was growing up, the fear that I had when I was younger. Um even really a strange, I used to walk past the past the graveyard. There's a church um, right on the top of the cliffs. It's beautiful. And I used to walk to my friend's house um, when I was younger by the graveyard. And I was never really, what you'd say, frightened. I was interested in what was in there. And it that's probably going to sound terrible because we know that you don't die. But... I was interested in the names and the dates and the people that had been in there for years and just, I just found it beautiful in there and peaceful. I know that exact churchyard and the church, I know exactly where it is. I can picture it in my mind because I used to uh, run past there when I was staying in Pakefield and it is very peaceful. It's very beautiful. Beautiful. So you sat in circle for six weeks You stood up on platform and you did your thing. And then people were calling you saying, please, can you come and serve our center, our church? And what, where did you go from there? So how did, how did you go from being a hairdresser to now being a spiritualist medium, very much in demand? Where does, where, where did you go? This, what I'm doing now was never an intended career. I have to say that. Um, I literally was happy being a mom, doing my wee bit of hairdressing, just doing what I normally did. When I first started in the church in that initial standing on the platform, 
then our churches started contacting me and saying, Jackie, could you do this day? And I would start taking one day a month. Then it was one day a week. And then it started to change. Probably about 10 years after being a platform medium, I'd met other mediums at that point. And one in particular had said to me, Jackie, do you know what would be really good for you? He said, your work's good. Your mediumship's great. But for your confidence, I think you would maybe enjoy some of their SNU courses. And it might actually help you with your knowledge and your understanding. And I actually think for me, because I'd left school so early and I didn't have that knowledge or that background of academia, doing those courses was actually really good for me. So I, when I joined the SNU, I started off with doing the SD1. And that kind of progressed while I was doing the courses. Obviously, more churches would contact me and you'd still you'd be picking up more dates and more dates. And I only really ever do, done it for expenses. It wasn't for money or your name being out there. I would try and help charities, do a lot of work for communities, fundraisers for schools, just to kind of spread the word of spiritualism, but to help people really. And then my education with the SNU was starting to come up. And then I took my CSNU, which was, yeah, difficult. I would say difficult. When you do your first accreditation or your first board, it's terrifying, especially when you've never done an exam. So uh, that was really interesting for me. But uh, yeah, it kind of pushed me to do a bit more. So for people that are listening to this podcast, obviously, I know what you're talking about. But some people who are listening may not have heard of the SNU. They don't know what SD1 is or CSNU. Can you perhaps explain for those people what this is? Yeah, the the SNU are... um, the Spiritualist National Union, you can do different courses with them. SD1 isn't um, available anymore. Um, It's been gone a little while. But these courses actually help your understanding and your knowledge of spirit, of the work that was done before we arrived. Um, And they talk about the pioneers, the history. And there's a lot of learning that you can get and a lot of knowledge. And it does help you build up a knowledge base for talking if you're going to be doing an address or working with students and it it really does it did help me and it helped my confidence within me Um, but imagine that it would have done like because you say you know you left school without uh, the qualifications that you 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 could easily have got had circumstances been different um so yeah and it is I found the SNU courses really interesting because they inform you, like you say, about the pioneers of spiritualism and the history and where it came from and the shoulders on of the people on whom we stand um, yeah. took that work forward first. So you've gone on, you uh, said just there that you did your CSNU. Can you explain what the CSNU is for people? Yeah, it's a certification, which means you're accredited with the SNU at that level. So I have my CSNU in speaking, also in demonstrating, which is mediumship communication. I also have it in uh, readings and I also have it in teaching. That's amazing. So people might think, well, how can you be accredited in speaking? I can speak. What is speaking? (laughs) How can you be examined on it? Maybe you could just explain a little bit about each one of those, because it's quite interesting, the speaking and the readings. Yeah, well, having your, um, the, the speaking is really, when whenever you go to a church and you hear the medium do an address at the beginning, um, but it's, it's at a level where you can really talk about the philosophy of the principles and you can bring them in and philosophize about them within your own talking. And you do this by either working inspirational you can speak inspirationally but you can also add that in using a bit of your background and your understanding and even how you've managed to get to that point there are many many people who come into our spiritual churches and centers who are like you and sometimes they need to understand that and see that for themselves to realize their own potential and where they go in the future and how they can get help with their, that, their own abilities. 
Yeah, and that's a really important point because it's about your own potential and and you as a soul on this earth. And everybody has their own unique challenges and and that's okay, that's fine. We can't all be academics and really wonderful. We haven't all had a very smooth childhood and life growing up. And so it's really good that they meet you where you are. I I think it's super important that we look at everybody within our spiritual communities because we are all unique. We all have varying abilities. And actually, I think if we can tap into that spiritual side of everybody, I think it will just make life so much easier where you can talk openly about any issues. You're not afraid of others by saying how you are and how you feel. When I mention the principles, what I mean are the seven principles of spiritualism, and they are the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man, the communion of spirits and the ministry of angels, the continuous existence of the human soul, personal responsibility, compensation and retribution hereafter for all good and evil deeds done on earth and eternal progress open to every human soul. And they're the principles that people live by. If you're a spiritualist, we live by these principles. That's It's like the Ten Commandments, but the seven principles are. Yeah, they were given to spirit and developed through the mediumship of Emma Hardinge Britain over two decades. And you've gone on to become an OSNU. And even I'm not too sure what that is. Could you explain? Yeah, OSNU is an efficient with the Spiritualist National Union. That means that I've um, sat boards, they've looked at me and they've made sure that I hit the correct standard, again, for being able to speak in public. So I can now do weddings. I've always done funerals anyway, but you can now do funerals at, at the SNU standard. And you can also help within your communities, within your churches. You can help with if somebody need you at their bedside you can be there and you can support them and give them the spiritual support that they need at that time and families so yeah I'm I'm available if anybody needs help wonderful wonderful and we'll get your website or your Facebook page or your details of how people can can connect with you at the end of this uh, interview but I know as part of the that process of becoming an OSNU you gave a most amazing and beautiful address Um, I wonder if you'd be prepared to share that with us on this podcast episode yeah I would love to do that Um, and I'm really pleased that you've you've asked that because I've had so many people ask me after the service um, if I would record it if they could listen to it again so that's really good of you and I appreciate that Thank you very much, Anne. Most of you here are spiritualists. And so therefore, you will understand the sacrifices that are made for the work that we do. The late nights, the traveling in all weathers, and being away from your family. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Whilst we help many, the impact that we can have on others is immense. Yes, those who are grieving but also sometimes setting others on their own spiritual path and supporting them is one of the most rewarding aspects of our work. We sometimes need to remind ourselves this work is not about winning or being the best. Our job is about service, but service to who or whom. I want to ask you all here as spiritualists, are you prepared to fail? As we stand here together as a brotherhood of spiritualists, I ask you, are you prepared to fail morally, emotionally, and for mankind? I want us to take a look, reflect on history, and ask ourselves how we move spiritualism forward. Not just for us hardened spiritualists here, but for every human being on this planet for spirit unseen, and for the spheres we cannot yet truly understand. In my understanding, my work is for humanity, mankind, and the planet, and not for self. 
Let us take a look, a look back at the pioneers that came before us. Let us stand in awe at their unwavering belief in God, their steadfast approach to fight established beliefs that most people believed in, the sacrifice they made for the freedom that we now have. And then we need to ask ourselves, why today? Are we still trying to fight for spiritualism to have a place in this world? I wonder if it's because we try to philosophize on the principles in this modern life, but we keep our thinking in the past. Do we play lip service to the principles on a Sunday and do not apply them to every other day in our lives? We need to stand on the shoulders of our pioneers from the past, use their achievements as building blocks. And like the phoenix that comes out of the flames, bring a new approach to what we do. Is it time now to learn to recognise those workers that want change within our religion, to modernise spiritualism for not only the 21st century, but for the 22nd and 23rd? For friends, if we do not start to change spiritualism as we know it, it will be lost. I quote from Leslie Flint's book, Voice in the Dark. His guide asked the question, why has spiritualism not spread across the world and changed the face as it was promised? He then also replied, because the average spiritualist does not know what it means to live his life as a true spiritualist. Over the last two years, life as we knew it has changed. We have gone through a global pandemic where we have lost many, many lives. Where we have gone from clapping for the people who kept the country moving to verbally abusing them when things aren't going right. Where is the spirituality in the way we all support each other? We need to change how we see each human being. We need to see that the spirit within needs nourishment, just like the physical body. We need to support the people whose understanding differs from ours. We are lucky that we know after the physical dies that the spirit moves into another phase of life. We give evidence to this on a regular basis within our churches, week in and week out. And whilst this is good, to get people into our churches to start with, we need to look at keeping them coming in, but not just for the communication, but to truly understand the wider implications of this wonderful religion, where the support they receive within our churches builds an acquired knowledge they can apply to themselves and for their community within. Being a spiritualist isn't just about the communications that we give, Like I said, that's the key to the door. What happens next? Our philosophies and our teachings should be spoken about and brought forward within our services for all to hear and see. The way we live our lives and treat each other is what communities see, not just merely blind promises to the principles. When I was younger, I was the child that no one really liked to be around. The truth of the matter is, I was really annoying. I had red hair, a high-pitched voice, and I just would never sit still. I was a child from a broken home, a single-parent family. It wasn't a new thing back then. But my dad did find it hard trying to look after five children. I was the youngest and the only girl, and my dad used to say to me, Jacqueline, you're worse than all the boys put together. I struggled as an adolescent to fit in, just to find my place. I loved middle school. I enjoyed the work. I did every sport possible. I played the double bass and I excelled, really. Then my first day at high school, I remember the teacher called the register. When he got to my name, he said, Are you related to the others that have been here before? I said yes. And that was it. 
I was tarred with the same brush as a couple of my older brothers. I was failed by the teacher who thought that small comment was okay. So high school was an issue for me, not because I wasn't clever, but because I was looked at as challenging. I also had to live up to the status that the teacher had applied to me, because as a child, that's exactly what you do. I was asked to leave school at around 14. It was explained that I would be expelled. I had caused so much trouble. What I will say, though, is I was never given the chance to succeed. I was given a label and I was judged from the word go. So at 15, I started work. I was given an apprenticeship as a painter decorator. I went to college one day a week and I worked on building sites all over the East. I loved it. I'd passed my first year and onto my second when I'd had an accident. I had severed four tendons in my right hand. And now we all know if you're a decorator, the use of your hands is really important. Well, probably critical. The doctor who rebuilt my hand said that I should consider a job in the warm. So after healing and physiotherapy, I started a YTS scheme in hairdressing. And at this point, I was 17 and probably a little bit scary. My first spiritual sighting, I remember, was after I'd had meningitis when I was five or six. It was the Queen's Silver Jubilee and we had a street party. I remember saying to my friend, wow, look at that beautiful lady. Her dress was long and flowy and she had a lovely hat on her head. And my friend said, I don't see anything. After this, I started to see dogs a lot. No one else saw the dogs. And I was always scared to sleep and would always end up in someone else's bed in my house. At 12, I got meningitis again. And this was strange as it wasn't as serious as the first time, but I was hospitalized and very ill. I started to feel things, sense things in my head, which at the time I tried so hard to dismiss. This was around the same time I was going to high school. So along with the teacher issues, I think looking at it now as an adult, I struggled to understand what was happening. When talking to others about it, they would say things like, Jacqueline, you're so dramatic. Or for goodness sake, Jacqueline, go to bed. There are no dogs on the stairs. That's something I remember my dad saying to me all the time. I can still hear his words echo in my ears. So why do I talk about the past? I do this so you can understand me. As you can see, I have a fierce determination to succeed. Over many years of spiritual work, I have been pushed literally to breaking point. This is not because of the work or the hours, but because of ego and not my ego either. The only reason I will discuss this today is I intend to be the change within other people's journey so they do not have to go on the road that I travelled. To extend a hand that says, I will support you. Many people within spiritualism have had similar problems to myself, where a natural spiritual ability is not celebrated and nurtured, where you are held back from achieving your true potential because others are scared of what you may achieve. Like I said earlier, this is not a competition. But this is just a thought. What would happen if we did nurture these people that come along with an ability that they don't understand? What if we were to support them and their journey? Would we then be able to create more people that can help others to support many, many more? Is this not the true meaning of spiritualism as said within the principles? Eternal progress open to every human soul. When I have been down and felt I could no longer go on, my daughter said to me, Mum, 
extinguishing someone else's candle will not make theirs burn brighter. So let's try to help everyone's light burn to the brightest level. I can only imagine a time in my religion where we as a community come together and support all. No matter what they wish to achieve, no matter what walk of life they come from, no matter what we see on the outside. Let us not judge, but encompass the differences we all have and create a spiritualism that is ready for the future. Many years ago, I read a piece of work by Maurice Barbonell. This is called The Implications of Spiritualism. And it was written many, many years ago. Why today is this still relevant? Have we not moved on? This segment that I quote really speaks of a world today. I wasn't born when this was written. Why have we not created the change that has been needed for so long? Whether you are orthodox or agnostic, rich or poor, educated or illiterate, a cabinet minister or a crossing sweeper, dictator or peasant, you cannot alter the law of cause and effect as it operates in your life. That is the great message of spiritualism. Because you are spirit, you survive death. And because you are spirit, you are alive today. The spirit within you, which causes you to live, is the same spirit that animates every member of every nation, of every race, and of every colour. Spiritually, the people of the world are one. Spiritualism reveals the spiritual oneness of all mankind. God has made us all members of one vast spiritual family. When that fact is understood and applied in human, national and international life, war will be driven from the face of the earth. Man will have learned not to kill his spiritual brother. Properly understood, spiritualism will become one of the greatest forces for good in the world. When its truths have spread far and wide, and the majority of people accept its teachings and regulate their lives accordingly, a new era will dawn for humanity. We need to create this change from now on. We need to be real spiritualists. All my life I have been judged by others. I was the girl from a broken home. I was the angry teenager. I was far too young to be on platform. I was then judged on my knowledge, my capabilities, my commitment, my clothes, my teaching. No one ever asked me about my God, why I believe I'm still here today, doing what I do today. Because I recognised my own struggles that I can become a catalyst for change. I aim to be the butterfly that flaps its wings in Glasgow, which changes the energy in the rest of the world. I believe that my God is within every fibre of my being, that this energy lights me up when I work for others. I know my true destiny is to be of service to others within this world. I truly believe that God and Spirit had a plan for me. And where I met adversity, I received the strength and guidance to push through for the greater good. I want to be that guiding light in someone else's darkness, where they can feel the arms of their loved ones encompass and love them from afar. The guiding light of a teacher that encompasses the differences within us all. To show you your differences can be your greatest strength. To bring light around your loved ones when they are at their lowest ebb. To support that soul in their journey ahead, however they may need me. To join together with God 
couples who wish to spend their lives supporting and nourishing each other. No matter what, I want to be the light to minister to the needs of all. Whether you are a spiritualist or not, I will listen. I will care. I will support. And I will always try to do my best in whatever I am asked. This is not only for God and the spirit world, but for mankind. I work within truth, nature and light. I am a spiritualist. I asked you right at the beginning of this address, are you willing to fail? I am willing to fail because that means morally I have tried everything within my power. I am willing to fail until my last physical breath leaves my body. No matter what life throws at you, there is always the possibility to fail. I will fight to succeed in every aspect of my life. I will strive not to fail. But I am willing to fail, as that means I have tried. Can you say the same? Wow. I'm absolutely honoured to have been able to hear that directly from you. I know this is for our podcast and obviously everybody's listening to this. Everybody's listening to this. But there is such beauty and power in the words that you've just spoken there. Thank you. Yeah, really beautiful. I loved some of the things that you said. I loved your I am the butterfly that flaps its wings in Glasgow. I just thought that was so beautiful and makes the change creates the change and I loved your I am a spiritualist so much power in that when you truly understand what being a spiritualist really truly means I just think if you look at even the the Barbanel the implications of spiritualism that was written so long ago why why are we still fighting to stop war and why are we hurting each other still and it just yeah we need to change. We we need to change. And what's great is, what's great about your speech there is you give people the tool of how to change. And it's purely don't judge other people. Everybody is equal. We are equal. We just need to see that and help each other, strive to help each other, help others on their spiritual journey, let them find themselves. And so many people get lost in spiritualism and I mean this in a really nice way sometimes we look everywhere for the answers when the answers are actually within you you just have to take the time to listen see where you need to go it took me years to get that years to understand that it's the answers come from within. And sometimes we know them, we say them, we can hear them, we can hear our inner voice telling us, but we don't listen because we don't think we're good enough to listen. Very true. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you shared that with us. Um, I, I think people are going to get so much out of that. There was just so much packed into that beautiful speech. Your father, who you speak of so fondly and so beautifully, did he support your work as a spiritualist medium? Did he know about it? How did, you know, as you grew, not, not when you were younger, obviously, I know you've spoken about that, but when you were older, what did your father say about your work? My dad and my mum didn't want us to be brought up with religion because they were. They wanted us to choose our own path. So when I said to my dad and spoke to him about spiritualism, he was a bit dumbfounded, if I'm totally honest, at the beginning. But he used to come to churches with me and he would come and visit. I would take him to churches when I was working. He liked it. He enjoyed it. He saw a lot of people. I don't know whether you would say he believed towards the end. But what I would say is he definitely came round to it. And it's funny that you, you asked me that, Anne, because... My, my dad passed um, 10 years ago and 
we used to have a joke. My dad would always phone me when I was at my busiest in the day. And I would say, oh, dad, I can't speak just now. I'll call you later. And he would say, oh, for goodness sake, Jacqueline. And I would say, it's okay, dad, you can always speak to me, even if you're dead, it's fine. And it was always a joke. And when my dad died, my dad died very suddenly. Um, And we were actually away on holiday and I didn't know. It wasn't till we came back on the Tuesday that we we found out my dad had died. On the Saturday night, I went to bed and I had the strangest dream. And I told everybody the next morning and they were like, no, no, really? It's a joke. But it wasn't. When we got back and we checked my dad's phone, my dad died really quickly of an aneurysm. And he was actually checking the credit on his phone when he died. So there was a timestamp. My dad died at 11.34 on the Saturday night. I had the dream after 12 o'clock. And my dad was making a joke about where he was. I just didn't put two and two together. I thought he was just having a joke. That's amazing. Yeah. Gosh, what an interesting story that is. See, if I told you the whole dream, you would honestly, it was, it's so funny. It's really funny. It's just the way my dad would make a joke out of my mum and he did it in the dream. And it, it was, it is so, and I talk about this on platform. I turned this into an address and people are like, wow, but we're not meant to know that somebody's died. It's not meant to be. You're meant to find out in a natural way. But my dad told me it was okay. Yeah, beautiful. And it's beautiful that he was able to come to watch you on platform, to watch you working and to understand the everything that would have gone on for you in your childhood, which made you this beautiful medium that you are today. Yeah, I've been, I was really lucky. Um, my dad thoroughly respected what I did, was very proud of me, I think, in that I would push myself. And he saw that. And I had changed from being that angry teenager and got to know myself. And that, for me, was the most important thing. So that was good. And even my mom. My mom um, still comes to see me work if she's here and and she appreciates what I do and she sees the work that I do and the help that people get and the comfort and that for me is is good yeah that's beautiful and it's really must bring a lot of comfort to your mum as well to know that you've you've your girl done good you know no matter what happened in your family unit when you were growing up that you've you've come out the other side of that and you've got something very beautiful to offer the world I bet that's very comforting for her yeah, I I think uh, for her, for my family, um, all my friends, most people are, know that I will always try and help where I can. Even my students, I'm very honest about my own journey. I'm honest about how you approach your own journey and how you develop your own spiritual awareness. I have a no-nonsense approach. I don't like jargon. I don't like... Sometimes we add too much into it and we take that ability, uh, that ability away. We're not sheep. You can't take the personality out of the medium. You have to keep that in there because that's what you are. Um, but it's how you evolve that, how you change it, how you adapt it to the work that you're doing in whatever area you're working in. Because um, we all we all are all unique. But you need to keep that uniqueness. It's it's what lights you up. Yeah, beautiful. And you've spoken about your students. So what are you teaching? I know that you do classes and workshops. If people are listening to this podcast, where can they find you, Jackie? What are you offering people? I do many things. Um, I'm, I'm kind of an all-rounder, really. So I do do readings. I do many churches and services. As an OSNU, obviously, um, I can bring couples together in marriage, but I can also do funeral services. What lights me up a lot is teaching. My students are 
a big thing for me. I love seeing the light shine within someone else. So I, I run many workshops around Glasgow and Scotland um, online as well. I have international students um, and I run um, a mentoring group as well. And I've had that for a number of years, which has been very successful. If people want to come and join you, Jackie, how do they how do they get hold of you? You can get me on Facebook. Um, I'm Jackie McGleish, Spiritualist Medium. Um, send me a message, contact me that way. I don't have a website as yet. Perfect. So if people want to come and find you, you're very easily findable on Facebook. And I'll put the link to your Facebook page directly in the show notes for this episode. So people will be able to pick that up there. Maybe just the final thing I'd like to ask, Jackie. Um, gosh, I know we're a little bit over time. It's okay. I'm fine. All right. Um, as a child, when you saw spirit people and you were so... Uh, frightened by what you are seeing feeling experiencing what do you think we can do to I suppose as a movement of spiritualists light workers mediums uh, across the world psychics as well how can we help and assist our children with these gifts what do you think is the way forward there at the moment I think we need to explain to children that if they see something that it's okay uh, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Also, don't always just say, no, there's nothing there. Just, oh, right, okay, is there? Would you want to tell me about it and explain? And just try and get an understanding of what their feelings are. Um, rather than create something bigger than it actually is or make it bigger than it actually is, just try and understand. So if you could wind time back and you say to your father, dad there's two dogs on the stairs I can't go to bed what would your what would your preferred response for him be come on I'll take you up that's fine they're not gonna hurt you perfect Jackie I know you've got a wonderful course coming up called soul steps can you tell us about that um yeah soul steps is um the brainchild of myself Adam Berry and Suzette Carlisle Thorley and the three of us have come together and between us we have so many years of experience as teachers and working mediums and it's actually to provide steps small steps how to enhance your own self how to take your spiritual abilities that little bit further and just really easy guidance uh, for everybody what we're going to be doing is three hour sessions um, and hopefully the dates for this will be coming out soon but if anybody does want to get in touch uh, regarding this um, just contact us on soulstepscourse at gmail brilliant 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 and what level is that for is that for beginners to advanced all levels all levels I think that there's an issue with putting a label on it. I think some some people learn from beginners up to advanced as long as we teach in the right way. Jackie, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing all your incredible knowledge with us. I know that people are going to get so much out of this episode. I can't thank you enough, Jackie McLeish. Thank you for coming in. Thank you very much, Anne. It's been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to seeing you again in the future. Thank you. Jackie McLeish there, everybody. Please do go to her Facebook page and check out all the events and courses that she is offering. Anything that's mentioned in this podcast episode, in fact, any podcast episode, I create show notes for. And show notes consist of a full transcription of every word that was spoken on this podcast. That's because I want deaf and hard of hearing people to have equal access to the content. And sometimes if we have listened to a podcast, we think, oh, I just want to go back and just pick up that little phrase that they said or that one thing that they said. And to have a transcription there 
internet can be uh, quite handy. You can just sort of scan through it and say, oh, that's what they said about that bit. That's good. <laughs> so uh, that's what it's for. But also it does contain the URL links for everything that's mentioned in each episode. So say, for instance, in this one, Jackie was talking about Leslie Flint and Maurice Barbonell. So on the show notes for this episode, you will find a URL link that will lead you directly to those people. And we also spoke about the SNU, the Spiritualists National Union, who run these amazing courses that you can go and study as well. So if you go to the show notes, again, there's a URL there which will lead you directly to those places. My website is anteato.com, A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O.com. Please don't forget, if you've loved this episode or any of the episodes, please, please, please do write a written review. It's the written reviews that help to move that podcast up the podcast charts. And then that way, the podcast can become more visible to those who may really need it. I wish you all a very peaceful couple of weeks. Until next time, my name is Anne Teato, and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters. Psychic Matters.